0: Hello and welcome to The Last Wicket, a cricket podcast that never gets interrupted by rain. I'm your host Benny and this week our special guest is host of the Sticky Wicket podcast, a University Radio Nottingham cricket show and a content creator for the Trent Rockets in the Hundred competition, Toby Reynolds. Me and fellow co-host Nish spoke with Toby just before the start of the England-India Test Series and we discussed expectations from the ongoing contest between the two sides, as well as the 100 and its impact on county cricket. Stay tuned. Hello, Toby. Welcome to The Last Wicket. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Benny. Yeah, how are you guys? We're, we're doing good. Uh, good. Well... So we are excited uh, to have you with us today because uh, I feel like we have been waiting forever for this England India Test series to begin, and uh, you know there's there there's so much we want to talk about regarding that. Uh, but first, Toby, can you briefly introduce yourself for the benefit of you know those who may not know you?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm a student in the UK, and I work for the university radio, and I do a cricket podcast called Sticky Wicket. Um, with a co-host over there Um, and we do sort of weekly cricket shows of a mix of sort of tail enders I'd say and sort of more sort of wisden-y kind of things. so we sort of have try and have a bit of a laugh have some quizzes uh, have some games but also do try and talk um, about all the cricket's been going on the hundreds the test series whatever it might have been at at the time.
0: That's awesome you know there is so much to talk about in cricket these days and you know We'll talk about the hundred in a bit, but uh, let's start with, you know, the big series that is coming up, which uh, I feel like we've all been waiting for.
2: Toby, welcome. Uh, nice to have you here. So Cheers. I want to start off with um, the England versus India test series, right? Like obviously this is one of the marquee series of this um, year. And um, we're all kind of looking forward to it, but at the same time, you know, we're still slowly emerging from the cloud of the pandemic, right? And many. Mm situations are constantly in a state of flux so you know um the i would say the hype or the expectations are slightly muted as opposed to a you know previous years when england india played it used to be uh with a lot of uh attention and eyes um so just kicking off this conversation what are your expectations from the series just broadly what do you think it's gonna yield?
1: um yeah I, I, it's a hard one i think England um, and the UK is coming out of COVID. Sort of lockdown All restrictions have sort of started to to be eased, um, pretty much back to normal. I think um, we've sort of you don't have to wear masks everywhere. You can have full capacity um, stadiums and clubs and, and bars and everything. Um, so I think it's definitely starting to come back. I, I do know what you mean. and sort of being in lockdown for so long. It was it was definitely an interesting um, experience and sort of. Watching the, the India England series in India um, that happened a few months ago, I think that was definitely um, very different to how it, how it perhaps could have been with sort of people maybe following it more than, than they normally would because they weren't able to go out and, and sort of it being at interesting times or sort of different times for England to, to India, it meant you perhaps were in, in your house in the morning rather than going to work and you could watch watch a bit of it, which might have helped in some ways. But I think in England, I think it's definitely going to be changing and helping. And with, with full capacity stadiums, as I mentioned, I think it's going to be really interesting to see full crowds back for Test cricket, which hasn't, hasn't happened for, for years. As well For years, yeah, not what it felt like but it's been years. Um, so I think everyone is definitely getting excited. I think with the hundreds at the same time, there's definitely a feeling of cricket being um, building up and, and sort of everyone getting into it. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. And I think it should be a, a really competitive and good series.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I remember seeing the crowds, you know, in the ODI series between England and Pakistan and then in the 100 as well. And I realized, you know, that's what we've been missing uh, mm. because for the last, it feels like the last 100 years, but really over a year and a half, you know, most of the international cricket has been played in front of empty grounds um, mm. or for people who are watching on the TV with artificial noise, which for some reason makes it sound sad um you know so it's it's good to have crowds back and that is really one major uh thing that i'm looking forward to in the series because for us watching cricket in england has always been amazing just because of the atmosphere uh, and crowds are obviously such a big part of that apart from the the actual grounds itself so yeah definitely i, I i'm looking forward to the you know an india versus england test match uh in england with packed stance uh, that's going to be amazing
2: yeah and also a good a point um, in favor of the series that's going to start is the Euro 2020 is done and you know the Premier League hasn't started yet so uh, people's attention is you know ready to be tapped into again right so that's it's a good time for cricket to be on the front pages so to speak
1: yeah yeah exactly I think it, that's the key really with it with it all trying to just get fans re-engaged and re-going to, to the sport and, and I think with everything being open, this is probably the marquee series to, to do it, really. Either England-India or England-Australia, probably the two biggest series you could ask for, I'd say. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, if it's anything to go by, the series last played in England was an absolute thriller. England to 1-4-1, but that was slightly flattering, you could argue, with some of the games getting really close towards the end. Right, right. Um, so I think I think it's going to be a good series. And both teams have shown a bit of a... a, bit of a so with the wobbling ball, some perhaps not as not strong with the batting, um, as they as they might like, and um, I think it's it's con- with a, both both bowling attacks being really high class, it's going to be great to see. Right.
2: So yeah, um, keeping in team with the in, in- India England series, right, like with Stokes out, that's a vacuum that cannot be easily replaced by any other player, right. So does this give India, you know, one of their best chances to beat England in England since two thousand seven? You think.
1: Yeah, yeah, and no, I think it does. Stokes is probably the biggest loss England could have, could have had. Like Root would have been big as well, but arguably easy to replace just because he's he's a batsman. Whereas Stokes, having that all-rounders role, offers you l- literally everything you you could want: great batsman, great bowler, great fielder. Um, so it, that's been right. a tough one. And I think that for the past few years there has been so much talk by commentators and, and by everyone saying oh, if Stokes gets injured for the Ashes or for the England-India series, what's going to happen? And everyone says, oh, well, we'll find something at the time. And I think this is really going to be the time they're going to have to work out what they're going to do. And I think we do have lots of options. You look at, like, Sam Curran, who hasn't had a lot of chances for England since his uh, breakthrough series against India, really, um, all those years ago. Um, we have sort of Ollie Robinson who's just come onto the scene as well, can hold it bat, and Craig Overton, who's come in to replace um, Stokes. So we have a few bowling all-rounders but we haven't really got the sort of number five batsman who can bowl um that that would be the sort of perfect replacement for for Stokes I'd say yeah
0: I yeah. um you know I'm, I'm a big fan of Sam Curran by the way and not just because he plays for my favorite team in the IPL um <laughs> I do remember that performance against India all those years ago and I remember thinking where did this guy come from uh but obviously he's such a superstar and I think he's got an amazing future ahead of him. Um, But yeah, I I don't, like you said, I don't think anyone can yet come close to Stokes in, in terms of the balance of batting and bowling um, skills that he brings to the side. And uh, I'm I'm curious, what, what do you make of the 17 man squad that they do have for the first two games?
1: Generally, I think it's pretty good. I don't think there are many, um, Surprises in there. I'd say the perhaps one surprise is Johnny Bairstow for me, um, and I think he's he's a very very um, sort of opinionated character. Um, both in the way that he he has strong opinions, but also the opinions people hold about him. Um, I think he, he's a sort of love love or hate basically, a bit like Marmite You could argue, um, and he he's he's a, he's a good cricketer. He's got a decent record in Red Bull Cricket but his his record over the last few years has really been pretty poor. He hasn't averaged, right. I think he's only averaged over 35 with the bat in one calendar year, um, where he averaged about 70 or something, which was an unbelievable. 2016, again, when he played South Africa, he scored unbelievable 100 there, coming back into the side. Um, He's probably the one that everyone's a little bit iffy about, and arguably, possibly only in because of the number of injuries that have been around the squad, like Ben Folk's, uh, probably is above best though um, as a sort of w- replacement wicketkeeper, but has been injured and is injured um, quite badly, I think. So has no chance. James Bracy had supposedly quite a poor series against New Zealand with the gloves, which I think was a little harsh. Um, but he didn't throw any runs either, and so I think they've gone back to Besto, who they they know that they can rely on if, if needed, and often does come in with with some big innings um, when when he's under the pump. Uh, other other people i think sort of the starting 11 is is still up in the air quite a lot you've sort of got your sort of strong middle order or what would have been a strong middle order with stokes but a middle order sort of route uh, pope probably gonna keep his place if he's come back to fitness which looks likely and butler probably gonna move up to number six um and then otherwise it's quite quite hard to tell what can happen you've got burn sibley crawley all arguably fighting for place at the top of the order with Hamid putting some really strong pressure on. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's got what, 400s this season, maybe three um, for and for, for England uh, Lions and sort of a mixed county team, whatever you want to call that. Um, so he's, he's in fantastic form um, as well as and then and it's the bowling as well, which is probably going to be the difference. Jimmy, Brodie, Leach, probably all going to start and then it's whether they want to go for Mark Woods, Ollie Robinson, uh, Sam Curran or Craig Overton really likely one at least one of Curran and Robinson will play probably both because they'll have to bat probably at number 7 unless they want to go down the um Dan Lawrence route um and then it's whether they want the express pace from Mark Wood which they they really do like so he he might be in with a in, in with a good shout although i think you can't forget that with the age that Rowan Anderson are they probably won't play all five games i would have thought they'll right. miss Maybe one each at different times, so it's whenever they try and rotate them out. Um, will, will be interesting to see who comes in and and how they mix and match uh, their bowling attack.
0: From from an Indian perspective, I'm honestly more worried about the bowlers. English bowlers, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, despite their age, Broad and Anderson have been such a menace to opposition. Uh, you know, batsmen when they're touring England, and I don't really see that changing much against this Indian side especially because Indian batsmen haven't really been consistent together at the same time. Uh, So I think that's really going to be the big battle, the English bowlers versus the Indian batsmen. And not just Brodin Anderson, you know, you you brought up Ollie Robinson with a pretty decent uh, debut series and even Jack Leach, you know, I I think in favorable conditions, if there's, you know, we'll be talking a lot about Ashwin and Jadeja in the weeks to come, but I feel, you know, Jack Leach is, pretty decent himself um and you know he he troubled Indian batsmen in, in in India so I I would say that you know it's really going to come down to the battle between uh English bowlers and the Indian batsmen
1: mm. yeah no I think I think that's true I think the the sort of difference between the squad selection troubles with uh, England is is the bowlers you've almost got too many good right uh, like who, who are you going to pick whereas the batsmen it's Oh shoot! Who do we who do yeah. we have to bring in because we're struggling with uh with sort of some high quality openers and top order batsmen? It's sort of you look at the averages of uh, Crawley, Burns, and and Sibley. Burns averages 34, Crawley thir- uh, 29 and a bit, and Sibley 31 and a half. So none of them really standing out and saying I have to be picked. I'm averaging too many for you to drop me. Uh, Burns probably in the strongest position right now, but then you compare that to the, uh, the Indian batting lineup and you guys have had a, maybe with the openers a little bit of a tougher time, but generally quite a stable um, batting lineup. Pajara three, Kohli four, um, Rahani five has been around for what best part of the last decade, probably. And then it's a mix of openers um, coming in and out, I guess uh, for you guys. What do you guys make of the Indian sides? Just to see your guys' opinion. Mm. Like
2: you said, right? I think I'm pretty confident in the middle order, but the opening is still iffy. And, you know, uh, I think many will also touch upon this. We were just talking before we went on air about Pujaro's lane um, patch, right? And that's been prolonged long lane patch, right? Like we are usually heavily reliant on him um, kind of like, you know, numbing down the attack, but ultimately scoring hundreds as well. He kind of does the first part of like, you know, hanging in there and, you know, tiring the bowlers out, though I don't know if that's going to essentially work in England. Um, but his output in terms of runs have kind of like dried up, right? So that's a bit of a concern for us. And ultimately, we do end up relying on Kohli more than we'd like to, uh, even with Rahane being a little uh, not so consistent. Um, uh, as far as the bowling goes, I think I'm. Pretty confident. I'm actually really looking forward to India playing four bowlers, uh, four fast bowlers, even um, in some English conditions. So yeah. what do you, Benny? What are your thoughts?
0: I cannot believe the time has come when I'm more excited about the Indian bowlers than the batsmen. Yes. <laughs> you know, for the last twenty years, you know, we have prided on, you know, the the tendulkars, dravid's, lakshmans, uh, and then of course the kohli Sarwads. Um but just just given the way everything stands now, you know, we, ha- we have most likely Ishan, Shami, and Bumrah, uh, who can stand with anyone else in the world to compete for the tag of the best fast bowling lineup, you know. And then we have the likes of Siraj uh, waiting in the wings, and then we have two World class spinners in... Ravi Chandran Ashwin and Jadeja. So all of that makes me, you know, like very excited for the bowling. On the batting side, yeah, we got the names, you know, we have Pujara, Kohli, Rahane, but if you look at the numbers, it's, they've not really been racking up high scores consistently, at least not like, you know, the standards set up by the likes of Dravid and Tendulkar for years. And our openers, you know, you know Rohit Sharma has has been around for a while, but uh, the other position has kind of been going back and forth between Shubman Gill and Agarwal. So w- that's one of the reasons why I feel like ultimately the battle between the Eng- English bowlers and the Indian batsmen will decide it because uh, I, don't, I don't think the Indian batsmen are on high on confidence. And especially after uh, the WTC final, um, they have, you know, they they have a lot of work. They have a lot of hard work to do. So, you know, that's yeah. what keeps me realistic about their chances.
2: Yeah, I'd agree there. And I, I wouldn't go to the extent of saying that, you know, our bowlers are ba- bailing our batsmen out because that's a bit of a stretch. However, we'd like to see, you know, having grown accustomed to like, you know, runs being scored really nearly, right? Like we'd like to see at least, somewhere in a balance between 50 50 between the bowling and batting rather than currently maybe you know favorably skewed uh in terms of bowlers maybe that's you know i, I don't know the stats the numbers behind it perhaps that's the larger trend in international cricket today right like bowlers are having a good last five six years perhaps even more right i'm just throwing out this number anecdotally but that just seems to be the perception um sitting on the fences with our data here and yeah, no. be
0: uh, f- from an English perspective, who do you think Root's men will fear the most, uh, apart from Kohli? That is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think any of them, to be fair, <laughs> could be quite scared to be scared of. Uh, yeah, Kohli's the big one. I think Rohana and Pajara are a key. I was sort of thinking about mm. how, it, how it could turn out as a series. I think it could be very similar to the Ashes, the 2019 Ashes, where Smith scored an amazing amount of runs and was only in the game in three of the games or something like three and a half of the games um so he he scored 700 runs in seven innings or something stupid like that um and I think Coley if he has a similar impact like that will be dangerous but the series was quite tight just because they around Smith no one really scored big runs consistently um so I think if if Pajaro rahane maybe some of the openers, um, can score runs around Colon and, and get runs as well maybe a couple hundreds couple fifties then it'll be v- like very hard for England to to win the series um a bit like the the ashes and um, with rain and stuff around as well that it looks like there will be particularly at Trembridge um it's gonna be a tight series I can see sort of a two one series maybe a two all again mm. going going either way um but I think I think the seamers are going to be tough. I think the one thing, if India can work out the pitches well and decide whether they need to play two spinners or one spinner, uh, which perhaps arguably was an undoing in the um, World Test Championship final, um, and can sort of find a bit more of, the, sort of an all-rounder in your bowling attack, because you ha- that's perhaps the, the one weakness in England could hope if they can get a few early wickets... And you're not playing Jadeja, say, um, and you have I um, know Siraj or Ishan or whoever it is at number number eight. That's quite a high for, for those guys. And if we can get through your tail pretty quickly, then even if Kohli's on a hundred down the other end, if he's got no one batting with him, right. then he can't score thousands of runs in the series. Right. Um, so I think Pajara and Rahane are probably the the key the key players for, for India, because I think your bowling attack is going to do well no matter what. So if they can score a few runs, then it's going to be a tough series for England.
0: And something that occurred to me, um, given given the comparatively, you know, like both sides have very good bowling attacks, it could also come down to whose lower order will bail out <laughs> you know, the batsman. Uh, because we've actually on the podcast, we've talked about this before, about how India's lower order doesn't really contribute as much as they could. And you know, that's somewhere that's something I, that I feel like sites like England and New Zealand are a lot better at. You know, their middle to lower order, you know, get some valuable runs. And that really proves to be the difference um in most of these cases. So um I don't have high hopes for India's <laughs> lower order uh, to provide the runs. Um, now let, let let me go back very Briefly, back to Ben Stokes. You know, we talked about his absence, but you know, we should mention that uh, his absence is not due to injury. Uh, you know, he's taking a break for mental health reasons. Um, now, obviously, this is a very divisive topic, and not just related to cricket, but across all sports. We've seen that in the Olympics, we're seeing it in tennis. Uh, what is the take in England over Stokes withdrawing from the
1: series? I think it was a lot of shock around it, really. Um, I think they talked they have talked about it a lot on Sky, sort of between hundred matches, um, trying to work out sort of what's what's happened, really. And I think it's it's shown that even the most sort of infallible or people who look very infallible um, c- can be can be hit hard um, without you realizing. I think you sort of you look at Stokes here, someone like Glenn Maxwell um, in Australia who arguably one of the sort of coolest, uh, most level-headed guys to struggle with with it as well. Um, so players all over the world have, have really been struggling, particularly because of COVID. And I think everyone just hopes Stokes can get better, really, not just because we need him back in the team, but also for him, I think, because right. um, he's such a great player and such a great character by the sound of it. And I think everyone seems to like him. He's great competitor and, and a great person. So I think people just want to make sure he's okay, first of all. Uh, and then from there, we can look to integrating back into the side perhaps. And, and if, if he, he might call it there and say, it's not for me anymore. And I think English fans would be like, well, that's fine. Thank you for your your service. Really. He's been such a great Mm. character in English cricket for for so long now, um, that I think people would be, would just be happy if he's okay, really. And I think, um,
2: there's been conversations around England's ashes, uh, as well, right, regarding the, the stress and burnout issues that the teams could face if they're t- going along towards. So it's ever more so imperative right now, right, as we emerge from COVID, that it's, you know, mental health is priority. Uh, if, if people weren't aware of it, now it sh- should be more in their radar that, you know, just take care of yourself first, everything, sports, um, your work, everything is, you know, way down in the pecking
1: order, so to speak, right? So it's mm. important. Definitely. Yeah. I think, I think people have really started to take notice and it perhaps should have been thought of before it's happened. And I think it's because of Stokes has brought it up, people have really thought about it. And and everyone, particularly some of the, the commentators and critics was sort of saying, oh, this, this England rotation policy is really stupid. The players just want to play. They don't care about bubbles and sitting in, in, in a room for two weeks, not really realising how tough it is on on the players on and and it's it's shown and someone like Michael Vaughan, um, who's been so opposed to it the whole time, has sort of proved wrong now, arguably. And England eventually decided, well, we're done with this rotation policy. Just as Stokes says, well, maybe we needed it. Um, so yeah. I think it's it's a shame to see.
0: For what it's worth, yeah. it doesn't take a lot to prove Michael Vaughan wrong. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good track record for that. Uh, But yeah, let's move to the 100.
2: Yeah, um, so you know, the 100 is pretty much like, you know, a feel-good tournament that's going on right now, right? So this is the first iteration of its format after much delay and roadblocks in its way. So what are all your impressions of the format, right? Like, um, I'm in the US and, you know, cricketers, I mean, cricket fans outside of England. I don't know if this is true, but again, the hype factor doesn't seem to be registered as much as initially when the concept was uh, drawn up, right? So, and I know um, multiple players have pulled out as well due to various reasons. So that doesn't help um, the 100th cause. So just, I know it's, we have a very, we don't even have a sample size yet because the tournament is still going on. But what are your thoughts on the event so far?
1: I think it's been brilliant personally. And I think um, I think Owen Morgan said, in an interview with ESPN a couple of days ago that it's better than The Blast already. And I think it is. I think it's mainly a success just because it's a franchise competition and England have been crying out for one for so long. It's been 10 years since it really should have first come in. With I think Big Bash has been around for 11, IPL, similar. Um, and I mean, we've had Sri Lankan Premier Leagues, Caribbean Premier Leagues, Bangladesh, Pakistan everyone else seems to have a a franchise competition and it's taken England far too long to really uh, get one started. And I think there were so many critics about it early on, even before anything had happened around it. I think that's before the competition. The one thing that annoyed me was people saying it's going to be a failure before they'd even played the match. And I think you can't tell what it's going to be like um, until you know what's going on. I think the, the games have been fantastic so far. So many tight games. And it's only going to get better, you think, whereas people understand the game and get the tactics around it more. Um, it's just going to improve. And and I think particularly for the women's game, it's amazing. The, they've Today at Lords, I know they've had the highest female domestic attendance um, ever in, in England. I think over 15,000 people uh, were, were in by the end of the game. And I think it was a good game. Southern Brave managed to pip it towards the end, but but it's, it's just helping everyone. It's sort of, I don't think there's any real problem with it. I think whether or not it was a hundred or a T20 competition doesn't make a huge difference. I think it <laughs> it could be quite useful being a hundred competition and different from every other franchise tournament around the world. Um, just something slightly different that players will think about. And speaking to players, I think they're they're just thinking oh it's franchise competition, it's cricket. It's all the same. And I think it'll take a maybe a year or two for them to adapt fully to the slightly different format but in general i think they're getting behind it and and enjoying it and i think young cricketers are going to be getting into it and enjoying it as well yeah like i've been
2: catching the highlights on youtube and it seems a lot of fun and it's uh attracted you know like um audiences of all demographics as well right so it looks looks like a fun evening out right it's quick it's you know you go out there have a couple of beers or whatever you know some food um you know just have good time out right so it feels like It hits that part of the uh, deliverable, I suppose, that is expected out of the hundred.
0: Yeah, I I think for me, it's just, it's it's new, right? It's new, it's different. And anytime, I think just human beings, when we are confronted with change or anything new, it, it takes a while. And our initial reaction is being skeptical. I remember when T20 came out, there was all this, oh no, this is ridiculous. This is not cricket. And... Uh, you know, um, I know that Michael Holding still doesn't really consider T20s cricket. So, I, I just think that for anything to be judged, uh, you know, appropriately, you need to give it time, let it play out, and then give it a chance. And if it's, you know, if you if you don't like it, or if you think it's harming the game in any way, then sure, then. See what needs to be done. Speaking of which, I know there's been some friction between certain county teams and the ECB over the 100. Uh, c- can you talk about that? Like w- what is all that about?
1: Yes, yeah, so um, English cricket is quite different to, to, to domestic cricket, sorry, it's quite different to domestic cricket around the world. We have 18 um, counties which are kind of similar to states um, but a lot smaller. Um, so so there are 18 domestic counties in in the English game, um, but only eight franchise teams. So each uh, sort of county has been paired up with one or two other counties um, to create a sort of a base of the franchises. So for example, um, you've got the Oval Invincibles, the sort of London-based team, um, a Surrey and Kent, uh, which are sort of really the counties next to each other. A, a bit of a, a bit of a rivalry between them, but sort of harmless rivalry really um and then you look at like the trent rockets uh, my team have uh we have nottingham leicestershire and derbyshire um so sort of a midlands based team and i think that's all sort of fine the biggest problems really about it have been with uh the team like the welsh fire which is the a welsh team effectively but it's a combination of uh, glamorgan which is sort of the Wales um, team, they're based in Cardiff, uh, but also Somerset and Gloucestershire. Um, and Somerset are probably one of the biggest counties, um, or sort of one of the uh, historically big, best counties. Um, and they've, them in Gloucestershire, have been quite sort of disappointed and, and sort of angry that they haven't, that they're having to sort of go to, to Wales and support the Welsh team, which I know one of my friends, uh, the, my co host, Dom. Of my podcast he's from uh, Bristol so his local teams Gloucestershire um, would would have to go to Wales to, to watch a game which currently not allowed to because of COVID but I think generally uh, a lot of English fans are around the era a bit sort of uh, frustrated and also someone like Durham uh, which is a county right up in the North of England sort of miles away um, from from Headingley which is its uh, in Leeds which is its local team Yorkshire. Um, the Northern Superchargers. So I think there are a couple counties who are um, angry that they're not um, allowed um, a sort of local team. But I think in general, um, people are sort of going to get over it. And you don't have to go and watch a team live. Like I'm, my team, I'm from London. I go to Union Nottingham and I, I'm, I support the Trent Rockets, the Nottingham team, just because... Uh, partly because I work there, but also because um, I think they're a good team, and it doesn't matter who you who you support really. It's a bit like in football, um, or American football. You don't have to support your local team. You can, um, yeah. you can pick a team from anywhere. Like if you're from London, the number of London-based people who support Manchester United, for example, in football, is mental. And they might go to one game a year, and you can go to one hundred game a year and watch the rest on Sky or on BBC or whatever it is. And I don't think it matters that much. And I think they're thinking of expanding the tournament, which. me i don't like i think eight's the perfect number for teams really so i think they need to keep it as it is but then i can't imagine what it'd be like if i was in one of those other counties and didn't have a local team that i could get to in five minutes or 10 minutes on the train let
2: me dive into trent um rockets a bit right um you're closely associated with it and then you know what's the vibe like right like what have you ever you know interacted with like you know we have Rashid Khan who's like a superhero, right? Like a global star. Yeah. So yes. have you had any interactions with him at all or uh, the yes, players, so-
1: perhaps? yes? So I, I work as a uh, called content creator for the Trent Rockets. So it basically means I'm in the sort of in the bubble, basically, with the teams. So I've I sort of go behind the scenes and get uh, content for Instagram uh, where possible and um, all goes posted out. So if you ever see a one of the players holding a phone or speaking to a phone i'm the other side of the, of the camera basically um so i've had i've had a fair bit i was rashid khan's personal chauffeur for the first couple of days um, <laughs> okay which is which is good it was he's, he's such such a nice they all are they're all such nice guys um been welcoming i was i was quite nervous at first going into a camp knowing that they're all massive superstars that i've watched on tv for decades some of them someone like luke wright was in the t20 world cup in 2010 when england won it and i've Right. And he's playing for Trent Rockets, and I've known him for so long. And now I've got to yeah. go and ask him, hey Luke, can you do something for Instagram for me, please?"
0: So, 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 let me get this. So, you're you're mixing with all these cricketers of all mm-hmm. calibers, right? Like Rashid Khan, yeah. obviously yeah. international international star, and then but you yeah. also have the lesser known players. Mm-hmm. How and do you have any? Uh, do you work with the women's side of uh, it as well?
1: Uh, not really so there's me there's each team basically has someone in my role for both the men's and then someone else for a women's. So the, the ECB basically hired um, 16 um, people like me men and women basically from all over the country to, to go and follow them around. so there's a girl called Hannah um, who does this for the women's job and we, we work fairly closely together and sort of come up with ideas. But because of the bubble, they've been quite strict about um, mixing between teams. And with sort of COVID cases and stuff coming into it, it's um, it's been a lot harder to, to mix between teams. But I think there's still been great content going out um, from both sides of the competition, which I think has been great.
0: Is there any interesting stories that you can tell us or is it all uh, confidential?
1: Um, interesting stories. Uh, well, so I think the, the one that I quite like, it's not necessarily... Um, Interesting or funny, and in, in sort of a in a perhaps a way you might expect, but um, the Trend Rockets game against the Northern Superchargers, where Trend Rockets won. Were sort of miles behind the rate they were looking almost out of it and then they managed to hit a few sixes towards the end of the game some of the guys lowered down the order Matt Carter for example came in and blasted the ball around and, and we managed to just get over the line with three four balls left I think um, but the day before everyone had gone in to train and I was there filming everything um, and, the, and Matt Carter was in one of the nets for some range hitting practice um, and I got, I don't know, 10 videos of him absolutely nailing sixes into the crowd at Trent Bridge with with no one there to watch it. And then I saw him go out the next night and, and blast one with everyone there to watch it and celebrating, or with uh, Martian De Langer who bowled a couple no balls, and then ex- uh, executed two perfect Yorkers straight after. I've got so many videos of him practicing them, and they basically get one of the um, boundary sort of triangles um, with the sort of sponsors on and they put it down on the crease line and the bowlers will come in for 10, 20 minutes and just every time try and hit that perfect Yorker and thud and this sort of when the ball thuds into the uh, the padding it makes such a satisfying noise and yeah. I've got 10, 20 videos of De Lange every day basically nailing Yorkers and then going and seeing all of these guys execute these skills they've been practicing um, is it's really interesting to see and I sort of knew that it would happen but actually seeing it makes you really think about it a lot more and and how talented these guys are and how hard they do work like joe right. for example will we'll bat in the net for half an hour an hour like everyone else does and then after the session's finished we'll go to andy flower who is our coach and ask him him to throw for another half an hour after and you can really see why he's england's best batsman arguably ever uh, he works so hard as the as all of the guys they all get they really get into it and it's it's amazing to see really behind all the stuff behind the scenes i'm very jealous um that That is like a dream job
2: yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) very cool i I did have one more question right like these um franchises or teams so to speak they're pretty like new right so Mm -hmm. you need some roadmap to build fan loyalty right do you have any Mm -hmm. uh engagements or any like you know activities planned for them if you're playing like a home game for the fans Uh, to come taken?
1: Yes, yeah, so most of the most of the sort of people will probably support their local side. So if you're from sort of Nottinghamshire, Leicestershire, or Derbyshire, you'll support the Trend brackets because they're the sort of associated team with your county. Um, but then, so many people come from. All over the country to watch watch the game. If you if you like a player specifically, so if Rashid Khan's your favourite player, you're probably going to want to support Trent Rockets because you can go to Trent Bridge or wherever their away games are and, and see him play and, and really get behind the team. Um, and I think and you can definitely notice in the crowds the sort of the difference in in age group and the fans um, who are who are coming into this game. There are so many young boys and girls coming coming in and watching. Um, cricket, which I think is it's just so exciting to see that people are getting in, yeah. into the into cricket, into the game, um, and don't care if it's a hundred balls or hundred and twenty or a whole Test match. And hopefully, it means they might watch a hundred, and then next year they'll say, "Oh, I went to the hundred game last year; that was quite good. Why don't I go to the ODI England versus I don't know whoever playing Pakistan? They might come over again, and so they might go to that, and then they'll go to oh Test match maybe. I could go to the Ashes when Australia come over in a couple of years again, and it will just build up and build up, and hopefully. Um, with the sort of excitement in the crowd and uh, the number of, uh, there are always quite a few people going around with microphones, interacting with crowds, um, getting them to do songs, Mexican waves, whatever it is, nice. um, tr- dancing. The, I think today there was one of the cameraman's job. It seems was to film all of the sort of, young kids who are dancing at the DJ because each game has a DJ. Um, so they, between overs, they'll play a, a song, and the, the cameraman basically every over seems or every Ten balls, sorry, seem to seem to find a different kid dancing and having fun and enjoying enjoying it. So I think it it's it's fantastic, really.
0: What is if if you were to pick out the biggest difference between a hundred game and a T twenty game mm-hmm. from the perspective of someone who's watching it so closely because you're right there? What what is it? Because for the detractors, they would say, if we have the blast or if we have like T twenty games, why do we need the hundred? Right. Mm-hmm. What what is a big difference?
1: Uh, I think a lot of it is because there are far less teams. The quality is just that little bit better, which mm. you might not think makes much of a difference, but I think it does. It does help, and and you might you might get some games in the in the blast. For example, like I know Knots and Surrey, one of the two teams. Um, they they're in the final last year and had and have cracking games every week because half of all of Surrey's players and basically all of nott's players are playing uh, in the blast for uh, in the in the 100 for different teams I think Surrey have 12 or 13 players nottinghamshire have the same um so I think lots of teams have people from all over but then you might look at somewhere like Leicestershire who have maybe two players um, and aren't quite um, at the same level um so I think that's a that's quite a big difference really and having just having less people basically uh, less teams to split the high quality players between it's probably one of the bigger differences. Right. Um, and also, maybe more from a technical point, this is, but the speed of the game, you can definitely notice um, mm. because it's 10 balls from one end rather than six. Right. You can really feel you, they get through it really quickly. And there are times while I'll look up and not realize that someone's already bowled their first five and are onto their on bowling 10 in a row now. And you sort of think, oh, wow, that's just gone so quickly. Because if you bowl a couple dots you can get through it in two, three minutes basically, which is sort of unheard of. I think um, Joe Root, I think one of our coaches timed Joe Root's um, one of his overs in um, in the preseason game and it came out at about 90 seconds for him to ball five balls or maybe even less than 90 oh, seconds. Wow. So if you get through it really quickly, you can fly through and really get ahead of the game in that way. And in some ways it's more tactical, trying to squeeze through overs really, really quickly and, and go bang, bang, bang and and then you've got 10 balls out the way and the team's only got five runs and you're thinking, well, shoot, we're behind the game miles now.
0: I think that's what's hard to wrap our head around because of that, where essentially you're seeing a bowler who could bowl two overs, you know, mm-hmm. back to back. And I, that's just an example of why it, it's going to take some time, you know, for all its benefits and all its attractions. I think it's just going to take a little bit more time for people to more people to come on board uh, but I, I think, based on the evidence of the, f- the few games that have happened so far, I think good. There are really good signs. I know it was like almost like the butt of jokes for like last year. Ever since the idea came out, but on evidence of the actual games, it, it looks it looks really good.
2: So this hundred is like you know essentially like. Um... 200 balls and then the game is done, right? So in terms of like time spent from the first delivery till the last delivery of the match, right? Assuming we play 200 deliveries, how does it compare to the T20 um, format in terms of like um, match game time?
1: I think each team's given, I want to say an hour and five minutes to bowl their 100 balls and they're they're being really strict about it. So um, you compare it to the IPL where a game or a World Cup where a game can take best part of four hours sometimes just because of the breaks yeah. and the tactics towards the end of the game gets so tight that you have to be, that captains will just spend hours, well not hours but minutes discussing yeah. do we have a fine leg up, do we have a fine leg back, whatever it might be. Whereas in the 100, if you um, if you don't bowl, uh, sorry, it's the first 95 deliveries you have to bowl in an hour and a half and the second hour and a half uh, hour and five minutes, sorry, I'm getting really confused now the second year, hour and five minutes is up, um, you're only allowed four players outside the ring. So there's quite a harsh penalty, really, um, if you're if you're over quick enough, um, and I think it really affected one of the games um, a few days ago. I can't remember what it was. I think it might have been a Northern Superchargers game, um, and they didn't they had I think they were slightly ahead of the game. The bowling side were Northern Superchargers managed to I think the team needed about uh, twenty off ten or something like that, which is uh, it's a it's a hard hardish total it's it's gettable but then with eight balls remaining the um superchargers ran out of time and had to bring fine leg up um uh, which the ball was then proceeded to be hit three times in a row over um over fine leg for fours and sixes because the, the batsman basically knew well there's they've, they've got no fine leg there i can basically just get across my stumps and flick it over there easily and that's free runs because if you're only allowed four men out of the ring, it's so hard to defend as a bowler. And so you really do have to fly through um, your overs as quick as you
0: can. Uh, I think that forces cricketers to learn almost new skills, (laughs) you know, very specific to the 100 and, you know, not any other format.
2: Mm. Yeah, and if this format becomes a success, right, it could be a good vehicle to, like, you know, perhaps bring the game to the US, right? Like Mm -hmm. T20 was ideal in terms of, like, three hours, but like you said, right, it can still, you know, boundaries are always like stretched right it goes to three and a half hours sometimes even four hours yeah. it's not it's still a long chunk of time in the modern world for anyone to go out to enjoy a game right so an hour 20 minutes two hours stops ish know um, i think people can get used to that right especially mm-hmm. with the modern attention span being so fractured right like we want to shorten the game as much as possible to give it to the consumer so yeah
1: Particular definitely game. yeah yeah, I don't know what it's like in uh, in America, but I've I've been over a couple of times. Seen baseball mainly. I've seen a couple of baseball games, and they go on for what, eight hours, some of them. Which yeah, I, that, yeah. I guess that's more of an event. Um, but if you if you people in England always say oh T20 uh, cricket's too long, it lasts for days, and whereas this hundred format two and a half hours in and out of the ground, easy as you like. Um, and I think it's it's so easy to transfer around the world and you can bring it to America and hopefully they'll like to see it because obviously in baseball you want to see as many home runs as you can and you might see 5, 10 in a game. Compared to cricket, you could see 5, in a game and it might be 200 runs each team could score, whatever it it turns out to be. Um, So I think it is hopefully quite a good good way to transfer um, this format and T20 cricket and whatever it might be around the world because it's so fast and, and you can get through it so quickly.
0: Well, Toby, you got one thing right in the US, a lot of sports, it's really about the event, you know, in addition to the actual sporting action, you know, you talk about an American football game. If you looked at the actual playing time, it's very, very less, but it goes on for hours because of the number of times that they cut to commercial break. And yeah, so I think the hundred, I mean, just based on what I've seen, especially the graphics, it's so takes some getting used to but I was yeah. thinking this is very similar to you know watching like sports uh, in America Um now uh, there is one other thing that I really wanted to get your thoughts on because this involves one of my I, I used to consider him one of my favorite players but obviously I don't see him as much these days Uh Alex Hales um, tremendous talent and you, you know it's mind-boggling to me that For one, uh, let's say, fault or mistake Mm -hmm. that he continues to be omitted from the English team. And I know Oinmargen has expressed that he doesn't trust, uh, you know, the the guys don't trust Hales anymore, Mm -hmm. which I don't agree with. I mean, every player deserves a second chance at redemption. I mean stokes is an amazing example for all of his yeah. cricketing exploits uh, we cannot forget but you know he was in a <laughs> bit of a big uh, incident himself but you know he was rehabilitated and kind of got you know brought back into the team i don't understand why Hales has a different
1: yardstick what what are your thoughts it's it's a really hard one i think he has definitely has a reputation um from from people around the country who don't know him but when I've, I've met him and sort of worked with him a little bit these last few weeks and he's the nicest one of the nicest guys uh, around i think in cricket um and he's he's re- really smart around the sort of the game of cricket and sort of trying to work out what to do and when but also just really nice guy to chat to as well and i think the one thing that really went against him was it was literally on the eve of the world cup that he got done for um for the mm. recreational drugs and i think that's that sort of morgan and perhaps some other players i don't know what they all think specifically but my thought would be that they think it was just why did you have to do it then basically right. um and i think he's had a few other he was with stokes when when that fate on that fateful night in bristol mm. um as well, and I think that a few, few other times as in general, but I think he has matured and he seems sort of like a fair, basically normal guy and and sort of I would have thought that he would be able to be get back in now, but I think Morgan's basically made his stand and said, no, I think we're we're gonna leave it with him there and and I can't see him playing for England again, which is such a shame because he's such a talented player. and I think if England weren't so lucky in having so many unbelievable top order players. I mean, you've got someone like David Milan, who's uh, not statistically, but the ICC have said he's the world's best T20 batsman ever, and everyone says, "Oh, we don't need Minning this team; he's not very good," Uh, which I think is a bit harsh as well on him. Um, Yes, I don't know how. I think if England weren't as strong as they are, he might be able to get back in, but it's it's hard for me to see, which is a real shame. I think. What, What do you guys make make of it all from from an outside perspective?
0: Uh, I, I don't know, Nish, I don't know what, what, what you've thought about it, but, you know, like I was saying earlier, I, I just think, yes, he may have had a few incidents like that, but you, you look around the world, you look at uh, every every team has some colorful personalities, to put it mildly, and, and they're all human, you know. I think their biggest uh, drawback for them is that they are in the spotlight, you know. I mean, if we look at any of ourselves, right, we are not always... Uh, nobody's going to be writing articles at least. Okay, let me speak for myself. Nobody's going to be writing articles about me. So I I don't have to worry about my indiscretions becoming, you know, source of, you know, discussions on TV. Uh, So I feel like we need to have extra grace for these players. Now, obviously I don't know all the behind the scenes machinations that take place. And I don't know if there are other reasons that are not known to the public. Uh, but then you look at players around the world, you look at, you know, apart from Ben Stowes, you look at Shane Wan. Um, I can't think of all the other players right now, but, you know, players have made mistakes off the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and David Smith, all... on the field, I guess, as well. A bunch of Australian players, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah who can I forget Warner Smith and Bancroft? All of them eventually got to play international cricket again. Um, Kevin Peterson, you know, that whole thing all those years ago. So there are so many instances of players who have fallen on the wrong side of opinion, public opinion, and have been reintegrated. Um, I I just think Hales um, deserves a second chance. I, I think, um, and again, this is from a non-English fan. I, I don't understand. I, I don't know if there's anything else that we don't know uh, that's kind of keeping him away, but... Um, I, I think he deserves a second chance. That's, that's my, that's my opinion.
2: Yeah. I just want to piggyback off of uh, Benny's comments here that, you know, I think uh, his quote unquote punishment has been, you know, a little drawn out and over the top in my opinion, I think he should be uh, back in the game and, you know, he still has a few years, few good years left in him for England. Right. So I'd love to see him ba- um, play it Cause I like Benny, right, I he used to be one of my favorite batsmen, right, like he, the way he bludgeons the ball off the order, it's, uh, it was a template for many others to follow, so I want to see him back, to be honest, uh, but, yeah, that's my two cents, like, you know, football is also like littered with, you know, personalities like this, right, if you're going to like scrutinize and, you know, like um, box players in for transgressions, which they have, you know, from what we read and we see is fully like, you know, recognize his um, mistakes. He's accepted. He's paid his dues, right? Like what's, what's holding him back, right? Why, what, what is this? Uh, I, it's, it's quite baffling to be honest. I think he needs to be part of the setup.
0: Is there any, is it completely ruled out? Do you think
1: uh, for Hills to get back? Yeah, I'd have, I'd have thought so. I can't with, with Morgan as captain, definitely not. Um, maybe if Morgan goes after the T20 World Cup or something like that, there might be a chance. But I think because it's likely Butler or Stokes will um, be captain and they're sort of Morgan's men, arguably, like Morgan Mm -hmm. sort of plucked them out um, and sort of said, you guys, you're playing for me. You're the ideal characters I want. I think unless they really decide, no, I think Morgan's been wrong here. I think we've got to bring him back. Uh, Or there's a big crisis of injuries and, and people. But I think England's white ball depth is is almost too good that that they don't need him which is stupid to say because he's arguably the best white ball opener ever possibly look at some of his stats it's he's mental um he's i guess over 30 now i think though which is also going against him if he was 26 25 they might look at him more but when you've got people like phil salt um, coming through will jacks coming through some of the guys who are in their early 20s who aren't even in the squad liam livingston for example has only really just started making his name has been around for ages and been unbelievable for ages so i think it's it's a very slim chance which i think is disappointing
0: yeah that's yeah that's very unfortunate and i really hope that changes uh but, but toby before we let you go uh can you tell us a little bit about your podcast uh, the sticky Weekend podcast i know you mentioned it at the top of the episode but uh can you tell me more about it and your co-host and just the general you know episodes what kind of episodes you guys do
1: yes yeah, so we we do a bit of everything really uh it's about every week a new one comes out it sort of varies depending on on sort of how free we are we had a few weeks where uh, myself and dom had a lot of exams and everything. So we we sort of only put out one or two episodes uh in a month. But then and some other times we'll put two or three out in the space of a week just because we've got so much ex- exciting stuff to talk about. Um, we've had a lot of guests on recently. Um I'm basically straight off this I'm doing a podcast with uh the Trent Rockets uh analyst um and which I think should be a really good, good episode. We've had uh Ian Cobain who's placed Welsh Fire in Gloucestershire on Uh, We've had Jared Kimber and Yas Rana, um, Ellie Oldroyd, all journalists um, and and cricket writers um, from all over the place. Um, And then generally it will be sort of whatever happened in the past week of cricket we'll talk about. So um, a lot about the 100 so far um, over the last couple of weeks. Um, Before that, yeah, the India series we talked a lot about when England played in India um, and the White Bull stuff more recently. Um, and we should have a few, few really good episodes with hopefully a lot of more guests coming on. A few, a few of the Trent Rocket players, I think, we're trying to trying to get involved. Um, and we almost always finish up with some games as well. Uh, so we've got our what we call U R N Ashes, uh, mm-hmm. which is um, which is really good fun. So each week we sort of take turns coming up with a game uh, to try and quiz the other one on. So last week was called the Hundred and One. And uh, Don, my co-host, came up with it. He seemed to come up with most of them because he's just—he's so good at it all. Um, and so he—he he came up with it, and uh, it was—it's was a bit like—it's um, sort of a not true or false, but sort of pick. He'll ask a question and give two options, and I basically had to decide. Um, I had 101 runs to start with, basically, and I could put 50 runs on one and 51 runs on the other question if I wasn't sure what it would be. Um, and and you sort of he asked me ten questions and I had to try and keep as many runs as I could um, by the end. So I think I got down to about ten runs uh, because some of the questions he asked me uh, were quite tricky. Uh, but it was it was good fun and we always try and come up with different ones and sort of try and make them uh, vaguely related to whatever we've been talking about. Um, so so hundred bases most recently we've had um, so many random ones. We we stole one from tailenders called Cruzeck. I don't know if you guys listen to the podcast. It's got some Jimmy Anderson um, and a few and Greg James and a few other guys. Um, and it's sort of a music based cricket quiz. Um, so he sort of gives oh. clues and we fill that for one week. Um, and, and we've generally come up, Dom comes up with some really great ideas and we, we try and work out um, new quizzes and occasionally steal some ideas from TV game shows or whatever it might be. <laughs> uh, but yeah, sort of generally cricket based uh podcast where we sort of talk about whatever whatever's happened in the past week of cricket
0: the rules for the game that you mentioned earlier that dom came up with that sounds appropriately you know very similar to the 100 itself uh it's, it sounds like it would take some time uh to get used to um, yeah. but I'm also very impressed that you guys are doing this as students because I cannot even imagine doing that. Uh, we just have a lot more free time, I guess, with age. Uh, but um, no, I, I'm, I'm excited. I, I'm really glad that we got to connect and uh, you know, we really appreciate you uh, and your time. And uh, yes. I'm looking forward to the test series uh, that I feel like we've been waiting for a hundred years appropriately. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I hope that you can uh, you know, come back uh, on our show in the future and then uh, we'll talk some more.
1: Definitely. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you guys for having me so much. Cheers.
2: Yeah, thank you, yeah. Toby. And you have a new uh, Trent Rockets fan here, so... Yes. <laughs> yeah, my team. <laughs> Cheers, Nish.
0: <laughs> well, that's it for this episode of The Last Wicked. Thanks again to Toby for joining us and do check out our show notes for links to the Sticky Wicket's Twitter and Instagram handles. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this conversation, do rate and subscribe to this podcast to be notified of new episodes, follow us on your social media feeds and leave us a voice message if you would like to share your thoughts with us. Thank you for listening and from all of us here at The Last Wicket, stay safe and stay healthy.